Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I am your host, Max Rothman, and I know you all are tired of listening to Gruskin's voice here, so I am glad to be here with you today with a great guest who has had plenty of success on the ATP tour recently. Today, we've got former three-time All-American at UNC and current world-ranked number 107, Braden Schnur. Braden, welcome to the Cracked Interviews podcast. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. And look, there's there's a lot of ways we probably could start this podcast, but I kind of just want to hear your unfiltered thoughts on the week since the New York Open and anything cool that has happened. I know you've been reached out to by a lot of your fellow Canadians. Um, is there anything else that's happened? And just kind of give us your thoughts since, uh, since the New York Open. Yeah, uh, honestly, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a dream, dream come true kind of week for me. Um, you know, it's it's really hard to put into words. Uh, uh, you know, uh, everything that came together that week, and uh, it's hard to you know wrap my mind around it just because you know it's something that I had dreamed of as a kid. You know, playing in an ATP final um, and having have having achieved that at you know at 23 is was a lot earlier than I, you know, would have ever expected to be able to do. Um, and so it was, it's been, it was a roller coaster, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was an amazing week, uh, followed by, you know, a quick turnaround all the way to Delray beach and didn't really have time to like, let it sit in or think in uh, and kind of enjoy the moment, uh, and really look back and kind of realize, you know, what I did was really special. Um, you know, I had to kind of quick turnaround at Delray Beach, and then and then obviously I lost first round there on Tuesday. So uh, following that, you know, um, I was really able just to take some time and just kind of look back at everything and and look at the messages people were sending me, and and you know, I had a tsunami of messages, and obviously, you know, social media kind of went 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 a little crazy there for a little bit, but uh, you know, it's all good, and and uh, you know, I really appreciate everyone reaching out to be in their support because it's just been. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been unbelievable and it's something that's, that's new to me, but, uh, you know, hopefully I'm able to get back to everyone and, and express, uh, you know, and tell them thank you, uh, for all their support. Cause I do enjoy uh, having fans that, you know, them watching my tennis. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm sure, you know, you're, you're going to get more interviews in the coming weeks with the success you've had. And I'm sure with the success you're soon to have, um, you, you touched on this just now, but you said you didn't even have time to kind of appreciate your, you know, how you've been playing with all the traveling you're doing. Kind of just talk to us about how you're feeling and, and you know, mm-hmm. how it's been going from tournament to tournament to tournament. Yeah, honestly, it's been, it's been, I haven't, this is the first time, this is my first week at home uh since i left uh, i think it was december 5th for florida where i did my off season training and then from there obviously uh took a long flight and went i played in india to start the year and then another long flight to australia and then all the way you know obviously those two weeks were were pretty disappointing for me uh just because i think you know i, I had my i had i, I had high expectations to do well there, uh, you know, in those events and start the year on, on a good note. Um, and it didn't quite happen the way I wanted to. And so obviously when I came back to Newport, it was putting things back into perspective with my coach, just kind of taking a step back and really focusing on how I'm playing and, you know, where I'm making my, where, where I can improve in my game rather than focusing on the results. And I think that made it, made it, um, 
on the following weeks to come. And obviously, you know, it's just been one week after the other and it's been, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to go deep in draws where, you know, right after I'm finished, I'm flying out the next day and it's boom next on, on to the next city. Right. So, uh, that's how tennis is. And it's just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a total grind and it's a roller coaster and, and, uh, you know, you just got to ride the waves and, and, you know, last month I was really, really able to enjoy, uh, you know, um, you know, the result that I did have. Absolutely. And, and so kind of touching on the success that you've had. So, I mean, looking back at your results since the Australian Open, you make the finals of Newport, you beat Cressy, you beat Mackey, you beat Jason Jung, Donald Young. And I actually did go to your final against Taylor Fritz, uh, a tough loss there, but you know, played really well. You move on to Cleveland, you make the quarters there. You move on to Dallas, you make the quarters there after beating the, the Red Licky brothers, which must have been kind of weird also playing them back to back. Um, so weird. So <laughs> um, and then, of course, you go to the New York Open and, and play qualies. You you make it through qualies and you beat Stevie, you beat Paolo Lorenzo, you beat Query, and then uh, another tough match in the finals against Opelka. What do you attribute to your success thus far? Uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard to say that you know I just changed one thing or two things in my game that made a big difference because I really don't think it it uh, it happened like that. I think it's it's an accumulation of of working hard and trusting the process. And uh, and and obviously, you know, someone asked me a similar question today, and I kind of just answered with, you know, it's it's I never really had a chance. You know, I've have I haven't had that many shots at playing against the top guys. Um, you know, my whole career, I haven't been, haven't been the guy that's been gifted wild cards every week into big tournaments and had the opportunity to play and play against the top guys in the world or play in big moments. And I feel like as a tennis player, the more you're exposed to those moments in those tournaments, uh, you know, the more success you're going to have and the easier it becomes. And obviously <clears throat> having to grind my way from the futures tour to the challengers tour to now, playing qualities and ATP events only to hopefully qualify into the main draw where I get those chances to play against those players. You know, it's been, it's been a long process and I just, you know, I had a, maybe three, three or three or four matches maximum where I played against top 50 guys before that. And before I played Stevie and, um, you know, I think I just became more comfortable, uh, each, every time I went out on court against those top guys, and I think it's you know it's the accumulation of all the hard work and obviously um, my getting getting more chances to play against those top guys. Absolutely, and you know this this is something that we've talked about a lot on uh, on the Great Shot podcast. Which sorry to do this, have to plug us real quick. Make sure you go check out the Great Shot podcast. We actually did okay. uh, just do a, a, st- right. <laughs> a stock up, stock down section, and you actually were in our stock up and this may be totally out of place for me to do but i'm i'm curious um we both gruskin and i were talking about your game a little bit and we we both like how you're aggressive we both like your forehand a lot and we both think that you are really smart about coming into the net um is that something like first of all i think you should be coming into the net even more like i love when you're when you're into the net but is that something that like you're working on consciously? Are you consciously thinking about being more aggressive, making your way in and trying to close out points? For sure. Um, you know, that's definitely, that's kind of where I see the game transitioning to. 
you know, my coach and I kind of we watch a lot of tennis together and watch a lot of other players, and we kind of see where the game's going to go. And I feel like developing the net game is really, really important for the way the game is transitioning the next five, ten years. And uh, you know, it is something that we that I have been working really hard on is uh, because I am a big guy and I have the ability to shorten points, then why not do it? Um, you know, I realize against the, the, the Johnsons and the queries or, you know, the Lorenzis, for instance, is a great example. Uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to out rally them every single point of the match. Uh, that's just not my game style. And so being aggressive and moving forward is something that, you know, I can win points at uh, more than them. And, you know, that's kind of where I, try to disrupt the other just disrupt my opponent uh, by mixing things up and moving forward but you know i mean federer said it i think it was a year ago i saw in an interview he said you know having the ability to move forward and, and and be good at the net uh can be extremely helpful as a tennis player because it makes matches shorter and it makes it easier on the body um you know and he said he even said you know he sees he doesn't understand why players aren't coming to the net more and and what's going on with this next generation. But, uh, you know, I feel like a lot of people are starting to realize the value of moving forward. Absolutely. And uh, just backtracking a little bit to uh, what you were saying kind of about going through qualifying into New York Open. And again, this is another conversation that, you know, we've asked a lot of players about, um, you know, do you see there being an upside to playing qualifying before and and as you know assuming you make it in do you see there being an upside to having had those couple matches before your main draw or do you find that you know sometimes it can be uh, a little bit draining to have to play those extra matches um definitely uh it, it, it there is an upside to it uh obviously in new york it was indoor tennis which is you know, playing qualifying isn't bad because playing indoors isn't very taxing on the body. Uh, but there are there are some events, you know, maybe Acapulco, for instance, that's going on now where it where it is super hot and humid. And those two extra matches, I mean, if you win them easy and you're rested, then obviously it's a huge bonus. But most of the time, you're having to beat at least one very solid player. And uh, unless you're blowing them out of the water, it's gonna it's gonna be taxing physically because of, of the conditions you're playing in. And there, therefore, you know, I find it kind of, uh, you know, a uh, it hurt it hurts the player a little bit, you know, having to play all those matches. But at the end of the day, you know, these guys, everyone's so fit now. Um, you know, the guys in the top 200 are so fit. So you know, one or two extra matches doesn't make a difference. It's when you start getting into four, five, six matches in one week where you know you start to feel it. Absolutely. And kind of like you were saying with the confidence, I mean, you beat Alexei Popyrin, uh, who had a great run in the Australian Opens. That's got to be, you know, a huge confidence boost going into your first round. So I, I definitely see that side of things. Um, kind of touching, I mean, you're, you're doing great here, by the way. You're, you're literally leading me into all the questions that I, I want to ask. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Great. Great. <laughs> so kind of talking about, like you said, with the fitness of all the players on tour, um, I know that you struggled with some injuries in college and uh, clearly you look really fit now. You're going back to back in each of these tournaments. Um, and actually, I-, I talked with Ronnie a little bit today. I probably shouldn't have told you to talk with Ronnie. He wanted me to keep that quiet. Sorry, buddy. Um, 
But uh, <laughs> Ronnie was telling me you uh, you know lost a lot of weight leaving college, and actually you did you were working really hard on your fitness. Can you talk to us a little bit about what that process was like? What it is that you're you're doing? Is is there something in your diet that you're changing? Is there uh, just kind of talk to us about your physical game and how you've changed that? Yeah. Um, so obviously coming out of college. Um, well, I think it, I think it really all goes back to um, my sophomore year. I had a really bad knee injury, and I guess we'll start there. Um, I was playing against Illinois at Illinois, and I fell on my knee, um, or I fell, uh, thought I had only rolled my ankle. And two weeks later, my knee flared up and got some MRIs done on it. Turned out, you know, I had bone contusion and torn cartilage, and it was in the middle of the season, really panicking on what to do. And uh, ends up, you know, getting a cortisone shot to kind of hold me over because I felt, you know, that we had a really good team. I didn't want to let anyone down by by cutting the season to end. And so kept playing on it. Cortisone shot wears off. Uh, all is good. Seems like it for the next six, eight months. Uh, and, and then all of a sudden, one day in practice in the fall uh, of my junior year, uh, my my knee just like I can't even walk anymore. Um, it swells up. It's huge. And, uh, you know, I go to see them and they're like, yeah, you know, you never really took the time off that you're supposed to. And I was like, well, shit, you know, I kind of got a cortisone shot to, you know, cover it up. That's kind of why. And so they're like, listen, you got to take some time off. I took like three months off, wasn't playing much, uh, you know, getting out of a chair, that kind of stuff. And it was a really, really slow process back. I mean, I don't know if you followed any college tennis my junior year, but I remember, you know, we were playing national indoors at Virginia and I was playing with the massive knee brace on, uh, you know, I, I was moving horrible. There's videos on YouTube. I was just, I couldn't even move from one to the, one side to the other and, you know, just transitioning, uh, you know, that whole process of the knee injury and everything. I think, you know, not being able to train the way I was training, obviously, and being in the college atmosphere where you're partying and, and having some fun, you know, obviously I did gain, I gained some weight. And, uh, you know, they always rip on me about being over 200 pounds. I don't think I ever got over 200 pounds. Let's just clear <laughs> that up. But, um, so no, so Ronnie was lying. Not in shape. <laughs> yeah. And so I was not in shape, so I'll be clear about that. And, uh, and you know, coming out of college, I knew there, there needs to be a huge change because, uh, you know, you look at these top guys and they're just in, in ridiculous shape. And so I really, I was really determined to, you know, get fit and, focus a lot more on my fitness and, and obviously diet. And I cut a lot of, you know, I eat really clean and healthy now. Uh, you know, I kind of, it's funny, but I kind of watched the Tom Brady documentary, not that I'm a fan of his, but just kind of have to respect him and his diet is ridiculous. And I kind of looked at it like, you know, this is how much that guy sacrifices to play a sport at his age. Still, you know, uh, I can do something similar and try to be healthy with my diet in order to have best results and, uh, you know, kind of just hit home there. Yeah. Any tidbits on, on the diet that you can, uh, kind of give to the fans about what you do and what you eat? Yeah. I mean, uh, I try to eat like a ton of vegetables and fruit. Um, you know, to me, those are like two huge things, uh, that I, that I look out for. Uh, you know, I, I really, I think living, growing up in Canada and North America, our portions are all uh, are all wrong. You know, we have huge pieces of meat and then like a little bit of veggies and, <laughs> and whatever, a little bit of rice or pasta on the side. You know, but you go, you travel around the world, and obviously, 
playing playing tennis and being able to experience other cultures, you really realize, you know, that you don't need that much meat actually, and you do need more veggies and more of that good stuff. And you know, I think it actually has really helped me with my energy levels on court, and obviously being able to last two three hours uh, playing a high level of tennis. And obviously, you know, having a diet for a week it doesn't change much, but it's you know over the long term. And it's a process, and uh, you know, I definitely, I really feel the benefits. Absolutely, and uh, we're we're gonna take a a little segue here. You know, we at, at Cracked Rackets like to give our fans a little bit of background of the players that we're talking with. So I do want to get uh, into your college career, and also even as far back as to how you got into tennis. But before we do that, I want to do a little segment that our our buddy Gruskin came up with. Uh, so we're going to do a little bit of trivia for you. So Westoff, cue the trivia sound effect, please. Welcome to Max's Trivia. All right, so we're going to take you back and our fans all the way to July of 2013. So this is your first Futures final this is in Kelowna. Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Kelowna, Canada yeah. in July of 2013. Do you remember who, who you played in the semifinals and in the finals and what those scores were? Semifinal. Yeah, I, I remember the semifinals. Nick Meester, 7-6 in the third, or Meister on the high Yeah, day. Meister, nice. And then in the final, I lost to Bester, 7-6 in the third in a re- ridiculously high level tennis match so it, and i think it was actually then that i realized that i could that i could actually you know do something in the pros yeah i mean bester is is a beast so it actually wasn't seven six in the third you had it was seven six seven, five six four so it, it was it was three six in the third okay but your first two sets were seven six. Oh, but yeah it looks like you had crazy okay, tie breakers okay. there, were, there were a breaker in there all right yeah so it was okay, seven yeah, six yeah, eleven true. nine in the tiebreaker the second set breaker oh god mm-hmm. that hurts um all right moving on to the next tournament this is your first futures win in calgary canada this is just a month later uh, do you remember who you played in the semifinals and in the finals and what those scores were? Yeah, this one, this one, I, I'm going to be correct for sure. I beat Polanski in the semi seven six in the third. Mm-hmm. And remember those first two sets? I think scores? it was actually seven six. Uh, I think it was seven six oh six seven six. Right? Uh, it was one six. Close though. Okay, one six. Oh, I thought I got a bagel there. <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then Bester was. No idea what the first two set scores are, but seven six and a third again. Yeah, so you, you beat him seven six three six seven six. Um, and I noticed okay. you you played Breaker. him. You played him in another final uh, of a future at some point. I mean, you've played this dude yeah. so many times; it's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. For your last trivia question, this is taking us to December of 2016 in Tallahassee. Uh, this is a future title that you took. Who did you play in the semifinals and finals, and what were those scores? Oh, that's a tough one now. I know Aragon in the final, I think it was like 6-3 in the third. And then the semifinal, who did I beat there? Gosh, I can't remember in the semi, actually. So you played... I know I beat Hiltzik along the way. I think it was second round, but yep. I can't yeah. remember the semi. 
You beat Hiltzik in three in the second. But yeah, you beat Will Spencer in the semis, 6-3, Oh, yeah, Will Spencer, okay. And then, yeah, you beat JC, 7-5-3-6-6-2. So a nice title for you there. All right, sweet. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was a big one. First out of college. Yeah, that's got to feel good. Um, Okay, so as I said, we like to give our, our fans a little insight into you know, your childhood into your background. And uh, I want to get into a little bit, you know, about how you got into tennis and, and growing up in Canada. But really quick, I noticed that your birthday is on July 4th. Do you ever get from people in Canada, you know, that you were born on America's Independence Day as a Canadian? <laughs> no, but I get absolutely ripped on by every American that was on my, that, are, that was at Carolina with. Um, Ronnie, you know, and Jack just don't, ever give me a break about that and, and how amazing America is and you know it's ironic Ronnie who's never traveled outside of the US before he finished college but you know he, he hounded on how great America was every single day <laughs> oh, that's so good well my, my grandfather's birthday is also on July 4th so you must be uh, you must be doing something right um, but alright yeah, we're both great guys, I can tell. Oh, absolutely. Um, he, he's the best, so <laughs> clearly you are too. But uh, let, let's move into your childhood. Maybe just talk to us a little bit. How did you get into tennis in the first place? Um, I mean, kind of a funny story. Um, so I started when I was seven. Uh, was the first time I ever touched a racket. The only reason why was uh, my parents kind of, you know, forgot to sign me up for summer camp uh, i was huge into soccer mm-hmm. so they forgot to put me in a camp and they were rushing you know they didn't have any all soccer camps available so they kind of just slid me in the in the half day soccer half day tennis uh camp at like a rec center uh in pickering mm-hmm. where i'm from and uh you know like three days go by and my mom comes to pick me up one day and the guy running the camp just kind of takes her to the side and is like listen, you know, your son isn't going to be allowed to come back. He's like such a troublemaker. <laughs> throwing his racket everywhere. He's like trying to create teams and he's like starting fights. And he's just like, he, he cannot keep focus for like more than five minutes. And so my mom was like, she just didn't know what to do. So you know, she pulled me out of the camp and I didn't touch a racket again until I was nine not sure what brought me back to wanting to play, but, uh, you know, I picked up at nine again and then that, uh, you know, I played casually a couple of days a week for fun, mix it in with soccer. And, uh, and, you know, at 12 years old, my, my parents kind of sat me down and said, you know, if you really actually want to be good at like really good at a sport, you have to kind of choose, uh, what you want to do. And, and, you know, they were thinking I was going to choose soccer because I love soccer. I was playing for a really good team. But surprisingly, you know, enough, you know, I chose tennis and, and it's been a pretty good decision ever since. There you go. That's a, that's a great story. Um, and, yeah. and give me a, a little context. Uh, Carter Lynn, who, who played at the University of Michigan and uh, and I know, you know, he talked about how he grew up playing with you. And yeah, he, uh, he brought up a, a mm-hmm. weird story. And I don't know when this was in the context of your tennis career, but he said you guys grew up playing in some yeah. sketchy areas and there was a time where you guys heard like gunshots at practice or something. <laughs> is, there, is that? Yeah, it's really, you know, so at 14 years old, I moved my, my parent, like my parents decided that tennis in Canada wasn't enough um, 
to get to the level that I wanted to get to. And so uh, I kind of did some research on my own and I said, you know, listen, mom, dad, like Florida is supposed to be an amazing spot for tennis. Yeah. You know, can I want to try and live there? And so my mom and sister moved with me uh, to Florida wow. and uh, my dad would come visit every now and then and, uh, you know, kind of hopped around from place to place, trying out some academies and ended up uh, getting together with this coach, uh, his name's Heath Turpin, uh, you know, still to this day, I mean, we're family, he's an amazing guy and probably has had the biggest impact outside of my family on my tennis career. And, uh, you know, and so I started, started training with him and, um, he, he used to believe that, you know, if you train on the world's worst courts and you're able to play on them by, when you go to tournaments, and you play on nice courts, you know, it's going to, you're going to play even better. He had this like this stupid philosophy. So he would <laughs> take us to the worst courts in the world in Bradenton, Florida, which is not, you know, it has some pretty sketchy areas. And the, these courts were, we used to call it the ghetto is where, is where we training or where are we going? All right, we're going to the ghetto. And they were like, all right. So we hop all, all of us hop in the car. It's like me, Carter Lynn, Alex Fennell, Elliot Cornello. That was kind of the crew we were with. Four of us would, you know, we trained with him. Uh, and, uh, you know, would jump in the car after school, whatever, drive to these courts. They were pitch black. And in Florida during the summer, like they were so hot, you could not stop moving or else your feet were like on fire. <laughs> oh, and one day we were practicing. One year we were practicing. And I, I mean, I kid you not, it was, you know, I don't know, an hour into practice, whatever. All of a sudden, I've still never heard gunshots like this loud, like two gunshots go off. And it couldn't have been more than like a block and a half away, like so loud. And instantly, like, you know, we hear cars screeching, all this shit. And then our coach is just like, guys, like, hit, like hit the ground. So we hit the ground for like two minutes. We're like kind of looking around like, what the hell is going on? And, uh, you know, sure enough, you know, everything quiets down and you can't hear any more cars or anything. And then all of a sudden he's like, all right, back to training, back to practice. So, you know, it's like, he's just an, he's an absolute psycho, but he is, uh, you know, he's, he's had, you know, so much impact on my tennis career. You know, he's a great coach. Absolutely. Well, at least nothing on the ATV tour will pretty much ever surprise you now at this point, considering you've had that experience. I mean, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I had that one and I played on the worst group. So, you know, there's nothing, nothing. I, I was able to handle the futures tour. I'll say that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and something you just uh, kind of brought up with the courts being bad. I listened to your Tennis Canada uh, interview and, and they brought up how you've changed your service motion so that you're not bouncing the ball. And that's partly because of the court. Is that true? Someone said that and, and I kind of I tried to correct them today. Uh, cause someone tweeted me a question about that and it was actually, it was, it was in more, it was in the context of grass courts in okay. the challenger level, not being at the same standard as what they are ATPs and obviously what you play at, uh, uh, at the all England club. And so last year, um, during the grass swing, we're playing in, uh, in the challengers, obviously I was playing, uh, the grass court challengers. Um, and the courts aren't, you know, they're pretty beaten up. So every time I would try to bounce the ball, like the ball's going everywhere and I'm losing focus and I'm just like, you know, 
I just figured, okay, I'm not, I'm just going to not bounce the ball now. <laughs> and so I kind of just stopped bouncing the ball because these courts were like so beaten up and, uh, and I was serving really good. So on the grass, so I just kind of stuck with it. And, you know, up until New York, I didn't really even notice that I, that I wasn't bouncing the ball. I didn't, didn't really register, uh, that I kept that, that I kept doing that still until someone said, you know, like you don't bounce the ball. And I was like, Oh, sh- don't. <laughs> So it's funny, but it's, yeah, it just kind of sucks. <clears throat> gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. Um, well, I, I want to move on, uh, kind of, and talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, moving from Florida into your college career, um, you know, c- coming from mm-hmm. outside of the U S did you have any sort of perceptions about American colleges and college tennis before, I guess, even before you moved to Florida, but, uh, even once you were in Florida, kind of, what was your perception of American college tennis? Um, so for one, I had a perception of American colleges and that was through American pie movies. And I just <laughs> oh, kind of thought on. that, you know, like it's just absolute like, or animal house or like these crazy movies, you uh, know, on Netflix where it's just absolutely huge party scenes. So it was, you know, that was kind of my idea of American colleges. Uh, and then, you know, which I'm sure was enticing into the whole <laughs> Yeah, obviously, you know, what a draw to go get guys to go play college tennis. But, you know, in the tennis world of college uh, in NCAA, um, you know, I I didn't really have too much of an idea what was going on. I knew it was team atmosphere. And, and, you know, I kind of got a little bit of a picture of it, you know, when I took some visits to schools. But I didn't really, I didn't, I don't think I really fully understand how big of of a team uh, atmosphere it was going to be yeah and that's probably you know like the the thing the the thing that i enjoyed most about um my time at college was you know playing alongside my best friends and you know putting in the hard hours together and, and, and reaping the rewards together so uh you know it was you know that's something that i that i enjoyed most about college Gotcha. And a quick multifaceted question here. So one, kind of what brought you to UNC? Uh, two, was there ever a consideration of going to Duke, considering they have a great program as well? And three, as a Tar Heel now, do you hate Duke? <laughs> um, it's uh, all right. So good questions. <laughs> First, what brought me to UNC? Uh, so I had visited Wake Forest, North Carolina, and Pepperdine. Oh, wow. So Pepperdine and Wake are pretty similar in the sense that they're very small schools. Uh, Pepperdine was a little bit, I'm, you know, I'm not religious in any way, uh, but I went to visit Pepperdine, which is a Christian school, I believe, and in a dry campus. And, uh, it was just, just, you know, a little bit, it was, it was different, right? It was such a small school. And, You're telling uh, me that Malibu, took, that Malibu view wasn't enough to draw you there. I, I'm an LA guy, so I live, you know, 30 it was, minutes. It from was Pepperdine. awesome. <laughs> it's so sweet. Don't get me wrong; it was awesome. Uh, you know, living in Malibu and having you know the guys that tell me Adam Sandler. I still remember that Adam Sandler and like Red Foo and a bunch of these. You know, like um, Pamela Anderson are running on the track and playing tennis with the ball and like stuff like that. And I'm just like, holy smokes, you know. And the team, the guys in the team were super cool, but I kind of just took a step back and I and I looked at you know, okay, they have three starting seniors, they're not going to be that good, 
Plus the coach at the time, Steinberg, was in a little bit of trouble with the NCAA. And I was kind of like, what's going to happen? Because he was the one that recruited me there. And then, uh, and so I, you know, I, I didn't, I said no to Pepperdine. And then it kind of brought it down to Wake and UNC. And, uh, and, and obviously Wake was the biggest draw to me with Wake was that Tony Bresky is his parents live in the same town Pickering as, as me, as my parents do in, in uh, Canada. So it was like, wow, you know, like we have a connection. It's like, what a small world. And, uh, you know, and then after taking the visit to Wake, it was again, an extremely small school. And, uh, I just, I just really wasn't impressed with facilities and, and and everything i mean it just the athletics department at unc was was out of this world um compared to what we kind of had to offer and so uh you know i i decided on going to unc and uh also a huge draw for me going to unc was the fact that uh you know ronnie schneider and jack murray had both committed and and i kind of just looked at the team and i said all right you know like if esben hessels and can get healthy because he was injured at the time you know, like we're going to be a, like a freaking good team. So, uh, you know, I wanted to go, I wanted to go a place where I was going to play high up in the lineup and I wanted to, you know, play with the team that was going to win. And in, in being in Chapel Hill, I, that was the best decision for me. Absolutely. And then what were the other two again? Duke and something else? <laughs> uh, I, I guess it was just more, did you consider Duke and as a Tar Heel now, do you hate oh. Duke? Yeah, I had a hard enough time getting into school at UNC academically anyways. So, <laughs> yeah, Duke's tough. Uh, you know, I don't think I would have had a choice to even go to Duke. I hear that. Uh, you know, and, I didn't get any no, either, so uh, no, I'm I with don't, you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't I, I don't hate Duke uh, as much as – I think when you, when you go to school at either Carolina or Duke, uh, you don't hate one another as much as you hate NC State. Uh, because there is a little bit of respect with class between both schools sure, and Duke. Sure. But when it comes to NC State, there's just no class. And, <laughs> uh, you know, this this stuff that I heard during that match uh, and the stuff that our team has said there, I mean, it just, it doesn't get any dirtier. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was, that was uh, you know, it's I, it's hard to call a rivalry. The Carolina Duke is a huge rivalry, but NC State just never beats us, so it's not really ever a rivalry. <laughs> yeah, yep, <laughs> I hear that. I hear that for sure. Um, mm. Cool, cool. So, uh, a few more questions about college. Um, these these questions are actually coming mm-hmm. <clears throat> directly from Gruskin, who is a college tennis. You know, I, I can't even call him a fanatic. That would be understating how much he loves college tennis. Okay. Um, and he's All a right. he's a UVA fan. So his first question for you was, how often did you guys talk about trying to end UVA's ACC win streak in the locker room? Uh, jeez. Um, <laughs> I know pretty specific. Honestly, like not not that much. <laughs> you know, it's something like one of those things like you you realize it's there, but you don't ever talk about it. And I think, I think for two years, uh, my first year there, I think the whole team we were scared of playing them, and huh. I think that's why we lost every time. And you know, it wasn't until you know our junior year when we finally beat them for the first time that it was like, you know, I think Ronnie, myself, and, and the team captains really put our foot down and were like, guys, we're playing for a freaking national title. Yeah, like it's it's not a time to be. 
excuse my language, it's not a time to be a pussy. <laughs> like you got to wake up here. Yeah. And uh, and and so you know that's kind of I think that kind of woke everyone up. Yeah, absolutely. And that actually was his next question was kind of what was it like you know ending okay. their streak at the national indoor finals and, and was it you know extra sweet to do it in charlottesville yeah i mean it, it meant up until new york um that was my favorite tennis memory um period uh and to this day now it is my second favorite tennis memory uh because of of the way it happened um, you know, losing the doubles point really badly and then, you know, losing, I think four or five first sets of the singles, you know, and then, and then, uh, and then five singles matches going to three sets and then two of them finishing third set tiebreakers, Ronnie and I finishing one point from one another. And, uh, you know, it was just super dramatic and, uh, yeah. And we were super amped about it, obviously beating Virginia for the first time in the national indoor finals, uh, another huge moment and, uh, yeah, just kind of giving, giving the guys that, that, you know, they played on the team, uh, or didn't have the chance to play in the final, uh, you know, uh, a chance to have a memory like that. And in a moment like that, that because their tennis careers didn't go on to play pros and make more memories. I think that's just kind of why, uh, it was so special to me. Um, and still is extremely special to me just kind of to give everyone that memory and share that memory with, with my best friends, you know? Absolutely. I, I hear that a hundred percent. I've, uh, I've made some good memories on the tennis court as well. And, and Gruskin, who I've brought up, uh, he and mm-hmm. I actually won a, a national championship for club tennis, which, uh, is higher quality than you'd expect. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, well, I know it's, it, you know, those moments are special for sure. Absolutely. Um, so I've got two stories from teammates that I, I just want to bring up from your college days. And, um, you know, you talked about kind of right. like a really memorable moment of a match. Um, but I, I got a story from, uh, your elite eight match against Guillermo Corta. Um, and maybe, you know, where I'm going with this, but, uh, this, your teammate yeah. said, this is probably <laughs> the best match he's ever seen you play. Um, and he he said you you saved you hit an ace to save match point. And do you want to you want to tell tell the the cracked fans what what you did next? <laughs> yeah. So for, wait. So who told who who said this to you? You told me asking. Is this Ronnie? Yeah, that's Ronnie. <laughs> well, you know, he says best match he ever watched. Well, you know, he was playing right beside me, so he didn't really do a good job of uh, you know focusing on his own match. To start, but uh, anyways, the story goes. Um, you know, really highly contested match. Obviously, Elite Eight and Triple tournament. Uh, we get rained out that day, so we move indoors. And I think we win the doubles point against Oklahoma, and obviously only four courts at, at UGA indoors there. Um, so playing a pretty pretty tight match with this guy Alcorta who somehow was like a senior, but he's like 26 years old or something ridiculous. Yeah, that's, that's a consistent theme now, now in college tennis, but yeah, that's another it's, conversation. It's nuts, but um, it was nuts. But anyways, uh, he, I think he had lost maybe one match all year, including the fall. He was, you know, one or two in the country, like just really, really, really good player. Pretty shocked. He's not on tour right now but anyways it's i think it's five four in the third set and for anyone that doesn't know 
this guy's game, Alcorta's game. He huge little guy, huge forehand, only slice backhand, like no backhand. Yeah. And he just he has a sick sick slice, dirty slice, but he can't he can't hit over it. Kind of like a Johnson. Sure. But he just he can't hit over it at all. And so you know this guy, I'm down match point, uh, thirty forty at five four. Miss my first serve, and this guy he jumps over into like he's got his right on the ad side. He's got his right foot like on the double alley line. And he's just, he doesn't want me to go to his backhand. And so I just, you know, I look at, I look at Tripp, our assistant coach, he's watching <laughs> and this is, they're up 3-1. This is to decide, this is to decide the, the, you know, the match. And I just absolutely can the serve down the tee for an ace. And I look over at Tripp, our assistant, and I put my hand down, like, you know where, and I say, uh, God, I forget what I say now. Um, I, gosh, I forget what I, I forget what I say. I don't know if Ronnie told you what I said, but no. I say something along lines of like, uh, uh, like how big are my whatever, you know, how big are my shoulders, yeah. something like that. <laughs> and uh, and Trip just kind of he puts his head in his in he puts his hand his head in his hands and he's looking. He's like, oh my god, please tell me you didn't just do that. And I just so amped up. Obviously, I was pretty. I got pretty fired up in college, and I did some dumb things, you know, kind of that I regret. But I look back, and they're pretty funny now. And that's kind of uh, one of those moments that I just, you know, I was just like, wow, I can't believe I actually did that. <laughs> that's so good. Uh, well, well, speaking of of a moment where you may have regretted this, another quick story. Um, I, this was a moment in practice where. Uh, apparently you were getting a little frustrated on court and uh, your coach called you all in to, to a huddle and said, no more negativity. If I see anything more than everyone's running and apparently <laughs> all everyone is starting to go back and, and you play a point and, and I've tried doing this multiple times and I've only ever hurt myself, but apparently you just went back, missed uh, missed a first, missed a second, double fault, and just crack a racket over the knee. And of course, I had to bring this up because we are cracked rackets. But <laughs> do you remember this moment? Yeah, obviously, yeah, <laughs> uh, I do. Yeah, it was it was like like my second or third day uh, at UNC. Right, you were like, new. You're so new I had just team. got just gotten there in January. You know, no one really kind of knew me. Like I was pretty. You know, I visited in the fall, like for a couple days, and coaches you know didn't really know what to expect when i got there and you know who i was kind of it they had no idea it's like second or third day of practice and so we're we're playing like we're working on some doubles or something and uh and you know we're all on the same side three courts in a row and uh and ron ronnie and i are like the only ones getting get it like getting pissed in practice and he failed to mention it that, gets by to the a way, point where yeah we're Okay, yeah, because Ron, Ronnie's Ronnie's perfect, right? Um, but uh, you know, uh, we were both getting pissed, and uh, I don't know, chucking the rackets, bouncing the rackets. I don't know what we we're doing, but uh, you know, our the coach pulls us in, Sam pulls us in, and he says, you know, like guys, like we really want to focus on attitude. That's what we are. This is the Carolina way. Just yada yada yada. And I'm just thinking there, like, oh my god, I'm playing so crap, like, you know, just not even realizing what he's saying. And uh, and, and I go back, and sure enough, you know, like first point I play double, you know, move on to the next side, miss my first serve, double in the net again. And I just for a second there, I just I'm thinking, 
and I just put my racket over my knee and I just I try to bend it as hard as I can. <laughs> and I didn't actually mean to break it. You're just but, that strong. Uh, you know, I snapped it. <laughs> it just I was so I was so I don't know how I did it, I know, but I snapped it and I kinda just looked at him and the in San Coach Paul, the head coach, just was like staring at me <laughs> and he didn't know he didn't say anything. He didn't know what to do. And so his side of the story is from there, he walks over to Trip, uh, our assistant coach, and he says, Jesus, what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gold. Yeah. I, if I were a coach, I, I'm almost impressed that you were able to do that. Like, I'm telling you, it is not an easy thing to snap a racket over your leg. I know, but to do it two points after he just brought, like, you know, what kind, What was I doing? I mean, I look back, and I'm like, God, I was so stupid sometimes. Oh, that's that's a great story, though. Um, all right, yeah. I've, I've got one more question for you regarding college, and then we'll take you to our last little fun segment. Um, so, cool. you know, what was it about your your junior year and ending that junior year that made you feel ready to go pro? Um, and of course, you know, your team made the NCAA final the next year. Uh, so did it, you know, obviously probably hurt to see that. Uh, so the second part of the question is, do you think you guys win the title if you had stayed? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, for sure. Uh, <laughs> simple, simple uh, as that. You, you know, I truly, I, it's a tough question to answer, you know, obviously having a stud like Lumberg there and, 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 and just an absolute workhorse and, and veteran of Ronnie his senior year, uh, you know, it, and and if I would have been there, you know, probably still playing one or two, whatever the spot I would have played at, um, you know, I think we would have been really good. I'm not going to say we would have won because I'm, I'm not the kind of guy to, to think about that sort of thing or, or you know, look at the past like that. Um, I still think, you know, obviously Virginia had a great team and, and we would have had a great team. You know, we did have a good team in that match. Uh, and it would have been a great match. You know, I just, I still think we could have won a title the year that I was there in my senior year. Right. So, uh, you know, that was kind of, that was kind of something that I wish I wish we could have done as a team, uh, you know, made it past an elite eight because that's all I really did achieve, um, was three elite eights. And you know it's not it, it was a national indoor title that we did win, but it's not it's not the same as the as the real deal. Um, so uh, you know do I you know sometimes I look back and and uh, but I don't I don't ever regret that decision. The decision to go pro was was made by me and my family, and we we just kind of looked and I felt like my game was sort of not really going in the direction I would have liked it to, I was kind of starting to, to plank a little bit uh, just because I felt I was winning a lot of matches and I was one of the best in college tennis. And, you know, maybe there wasn't anything more college had to offer for me. Sure. Uh, along with uh, just kind of getting tired of doing the same thing every day, you know, like it's two, I spent two and a half years there of, of all right, going to morning practice individuals on, on my own. And then, going to class and then coming back and doing team practice, then lifting or running and then tutoring. And I was just like, so done with all that. And so done with having to study um, that, you know, I just, I wanted to focus on tennis. So yeah. it was an accumulation of all that. Definitely. And, you know, just last question on that. Do you have any, or not even a question, just do you have any advice uh, for those who are in college and considering making that pro jump? Yeah. Uh, 
I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to avoid it. Um, this this whole transition thing that's happened with the transition tour makes it a lot harder for college players. Yeah. And makes it a lot harder for guys going to college. Um, if I was in the position of deciding to go the college route or directly pro, um, these coming years with this whole transition change, uh, my decision might be different. Um, you know, but it, honestly, it's really hard for me to give advice to anyone because, God, some of these guys are such good players and they're not even having an opportunity to play. And I just think that's extremely unfair and I just need to step up and do more. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I didn't want to bring up the, the transition toward debate because um, that is something that we've internally talked a lot about and, and maybe we need to you know, bring you back. We're actually going to do a podcast soon about uh, the changes to the ATP tour, including the transition tour mm-hmm. and Davis cup, uh, which, you know, yeah. I'm sure you're, you're hoping to, you know, join, you know, in, in the near future. Um, but I, I definitely hear you. The transition mm-hmm. tour from what it sounds like from a lot of players is, uh, you know, not ideal and, and is not, you know, to the benefit of the players. So um, I definitely can see how that would affect yeah, someone's sure. decision. Um, but okay, I know you've got sure. training early in the morning. Um, we've got just one last quick section for you, uh, and we do this every time. No and, problem. and this is our rapid fire segment. So, Westoff, cue the rapid fire segment sound effect, please. All right, so I'm going to hit you with a bunch of questions. Uh, this is kind of just, you know, first thing that comes to your mind uh, and give us your answer, and, and we'll, we'll see how it goes. Ready? Let's do it. All right, cool. Let's do it. Favorite player? Oh, man, the hardest one. <laughs> I don't have a favorite player. I'll say that. All right, get, give me top three. Okay, top three. Um, Safin, Mofis. Gosh. Uh, Safin, Mofis, Federer. Dude, I, first of all, Safin is like – Probably the most unique answer we've ever got for favorite player, and I love that you included Monfils because he's yeah. one of my favorite. He's so fun to watch. Um, I just I love the entertainers, oh, and I great. couldn't think of a third one, so I just had to throw in the go. Of course, so. of course. Um, all right, cool. Next one, favorite stroke. Serve. Serve. Cool. Um, if you had to take a stroke from any player, what would it be? So you could take, you know, the Fed forehand, the the Isner serve, whatever it is. What what stroke would it be? I would take the Fed slice. The Fed slice, yeah. I mean, yeah. you do slice a lot, so I I could see that. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. The slice is yeah, a very underrated shot. I would say that. Okay. Again, maybe this is not my place, but do you ever? I feel like you slice too much, man. I, you have a good backhand. I feel like you should drive through it more. Yeah, but it's about it's about the change of pace. I know. I hear um, you. My, you know, I I just I feel that. You know, against guys that are really solid baseliners, uh, you know, giving them the same ball all the time, they find too good of a rhythm. Yep. Okay. I, I hear you. Not my place. Just some, something yeah. that I feel. Uh, <laughs> Gr- no, that's all right. Gruskin hates slicing in general. He would remove it from the game altogether. So I mean, I mean, which is stupid. So oh. I, I, would, I wouldn't listen to that. But um, all right. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you could choose any player to play doubles with, who would it be? Daniel Nestor, but he's retired. I wish I would have had a chance to play with him in my career. That is a great response. I love that. Okay, cool. Um, Best match you've ever played? Best match I ever played? Probably, well, obviously, I was playing incredible tennis in New York. Yes. Uh, You know, it's hard. 
I think the be- I think I played the best against Query. Nice. Uh, that was probably the best tennis match I ever 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 played in one. The best tennis match I ever played in lost, I think would have been against Gasquet uh, in Montreal two years ago. Wow. Yep. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Just, just a few more for you. Uh, favorite tournament you've ever played? The Rogers Cup, obviously, because it's uh, at home. Yeah. Um, or or Acapulco. Uh, I could, I mean. Gosh, I'm watching it every day, and I'm just like, how am I not there right now? <laughs> I just love, I love that tournament. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's got to be a fun one to to get to travel to. Um, all right, last three for you, uh, and non tennis related, uh, I guess somewhat tennis related, but uh, so favorite favorite pump up song, and I did hear that you're a big fan of Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Used to be. <laughs> Yeah, I used to be a huge Avalene fan, like fanatic. I think that was the first concert I ever went to as a kid. Uh... And it's actually I'll throw I'll throw this embarrassing story in. I uh, I actually tried out for a talent show. I think I was in like grade seven or eight. I was middle school still, and I sung Skater Boy. <laughs> absolute joke, absolute joke. I know, but I still that remember this so day. My good. mom a week before the talent show printing out skater boy lyrics and every night I was singing it. I was so pumped. I loved her so much. And I wore, actually wore an Avalon shirt with a freaking face on it. <laughs> oh, that is oh, but, perfect. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, back to the, back to your original question, the favorite pop-up song, uh, it kind of changes every week. Uh, <laughs> every week I kind of, I choose a different song and, throughout the whole week I listened to that one song right before I go on court okay gotcha well look I, I had two other questions that I, I think that's a, a great way to end this interview uh, Brayden I kept you, right. I kept you a lot longer than uh, I know you wanted so I appreciate your time thank you so much and um, you know we, we look forward to seeing your continued success on the tour and, and you know thanks for joining us today yeah no problem at all it, uh, it was a fun combo and I appreciate you guys reaching out and getting a hold of me how to do it because uh you know i do enjoy your podcast and i'll and i'll be sure to tune in awesome well you guys heard it Braden schner is listening to our podcast so you should too make sure to check out all of our content you know the website the youtube our podcasts um and again Braden, thank you and uh we'll talk to you soon yep thank you have a good night yeah you too